We would like to welcome you to this edition of the Apostles Corner podcast. And now, Apostle John F. Morton. This is Apostle John Morton, and I want to welcome you to this segment of the Apostles Corner podcast. Today I'm going to deal with a subject that is going to be somewhat delicate for many of you. There's nothing in the world that we hate more than to find out that we've missed the mark that we've been aiming at. The Apostle Paul said, I press forward towards the mark of the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. We have come to a point in time where the mark that we press for are things attributed to man. The intellect has done a lot of damage to the body of Christ. It's done a lot of damage to our individual walks, many things that we're unable to even see. But I hope today that I can bring you some clarity, enough to just create a question in your mind as to where you are. See, when you're on a journey to reach a place, we have to stop and assess where we are occasionally so that we can make sure that we're still on course and still heading in the right direction. The title of today's podcast is The Rise of Intellect. When it comes down to the concept of intellect, uh, what God's word says about it and how it challenges the validity of our walk, there are only two scriptures that I even need to use to bring clarity about his perspective of intellect. Proverbs 5, 3, correction, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct your path. Next scripture is Matthew 22.37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul. And with all your mind. On paper both of these seem to be very simple scriptures. Very simple process. But unless you have a clear understanding of the hindering factors that exist between the heart and the mind, you'll have no ability to fulfill either of these directives. The foundation of our relationship with God begins when we acknowledge his love within the depth of our heart. And once we've accepted him within our heart, that relationship even accesses our eternal soul. If we accept him in our heart wholly, if we accept him in our whole heart, allowing the smallest of Antichrist authority to remain in hidden areas of the heart can lead to detrimental failure. It's almost like building a house on a bad foundation. Even though the erected product looks good, it's destined to develop cracks. The element that will challenge the validity of your heart is the mind. This is where we perceive and intellectualize according to our own viewpoint. This is where we develop an ability to disregard what we know to be right in our heart. So exactly how does the intellect of the mind supersede what we know to be right in our heart? Looking back at the verse in Matthew, we see that Jesus said to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, 
and all your mind. Many of us fail to truly fulfill the requirement of all. A failure of all in step one causes inability for the entire process. By the time that you come to the mind, it's easy, easily able to manipulate the heart because the heart was not fully surrendered to God. Once again, failure to love him with all your heart will create a situation where by the time you come to your intellect, it's easily able to manipulate the heart because the heart has not been fully surrendered to God. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Throughout the word of God, we find a multitude of circumstances where people who clearly love God fail to maintain the desire of his heart in many ways. Abraham trusted the word of God that had been given to him, and he rested on it. But when a period of time had passed, Sarah expressed her own thoughts about God's plans, and she even gave her take on how to help God. And as for Abraham... Rather than bringing his own thoughts into captivity to the directive of God's intent, he intellectualized his wife's opinion. His intellectual perceptions offered a clear excuse as to why it wasn't necessary to wait on God. So he acted out her directive and had a baby with her handmaiden, Hagar. You can read about that in Genesis 16. Now, when God's plan was eventually initiated through Sarah, here she comes again with an opinion on how to undo the previous act of intellectual perception. Now on, now an innocent woman and her child, speaking of Hagar and Ishmael, to the hardship of Abraham, they were both cast into the wilderness alone. You can read about that in Genesis 21. Abraham's decisions were based on the desire of his heart to please his wife. He never even considered that he would not be pleasing God. He wanted her happiness more than God's. I remember when my wife and I were in the first weeks of our relationship, I stated to her that I do not trust any woman. Needless to say, her response was quite aggressive. So I need to give a clearer understanding of what I meant. How often have you been in, a, in the presence of someone's conversation and you knew that everything coming out of their mouth was nothing short of oppressive? It's for this reason that whenever we are receiving words from someone, we should be listening for the presence of God in what they are saying. So when I say trust, when I said trust no woman, I meant that I do not trust the flesh, but I look for the revelation of God in their words. This is where the power to draw my focus comes from. I also told her that you should never trust the word that comes out of my mouth if I cannot bring the peace, serenity, revelation, and truth that is with God. God doesn't want to control our lives. He just wants to be accepted in every part of it. That can only happen if we accomplish the task 
given in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 and Matthew 22 and 37. Trust in the Lord with thine heart, all thine heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your heart, all your heart, and with all your soul and with all your mind. When we first discover the depth of God's love, our heart is, our hearts pricked with a desire to know him. Just like when you met that person who meant so much to you, but now you find yourself rarely even caring about their feelings. The heart wants what it wants when it wants it and can be desperately wicked in its attempt to acquire. If we do not allow the desire of our heart to be engrafted with the ways of God, we are capable of every dark work in and out of the presence of God. And we can even eventually treat him just like that relationship that has, quote, lost its spark. Inability to make every thought subject to the obedience of Christ cannot be accomplished if your heart is not first obedient to the directives of Christ. A heart that is not fully surrendered to Christ remains in a state of deceitful wickedness. Thus, subject to the recommendation of the intellect, according to its own lusts. There are some factors in life that should be easily perceived through spiritual directives. Basic right and wrong. But in many of them, we as a people have made conscious decision to forego God's proclamation of right and wrong for our own perception. I've never seen an uprising of intellect as great as what we've seen through the administration of Donald Trump. When dealing with the things of God, our focal point should never be intellectual perception, but revelation of the spirit of truth that lives within us. Now, I'm not trying to attribute any of the failures I'm about to uh, present uh, as being the fault of Donald Trump, but his social honesty or let's say honesty because he never lied not knowing it was a lie he was always honest about who he was to the core so I'm not trying to blame anything on him but his social honesty caused others to be real with who they already were and many of us already were deceptive liars dishonest with ourself and not and denying it Isaiah 55 8 through 9 says for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways saith the Lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts much higher than your thoughts it was intellect that turned the hearts of the people away from God in the desert during the time of the great provocation and even today, Christian institutions of education have exalted intellectual fortitude above the revelations of the Holy Spirit. In this hour, has every ecumenical system come to trust the intellect that man has placed on God's word rather than the revelations of the Spirit? The scriptures told us that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That's because in order... 
in order for you to know God and to rebel against what is right by him, you have to first go in and shut your spirit off. Once you do that, all the error of your walk is embedded, not only in your intellect, but now it has made its way into your heart. Hebrews 3, 10 through 13 says, Wherefore I have gr- I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart. They always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. God is not a man that he should change. And the same as he bared wrath against the rebellion of the people in that day, so does he bear wrath against us now. The only difference is that we are under grace that is withholding his wrath. Don't be mistaken, as many are. Grace is not a free pass. The very definition of grace is a period of extended consideration. You're in a space and a time where you need to make a decision what's going to, what it's going to take for you to truly serve God in the depth of all that you understand about him. With the people of Israel, he said, they have never known my ways. And he swore by an oath that they would not enter into his rest. Many feel that they are living a life of solitude in the presence of God. When all they really have is the benefits of their financial and worldly gains. There's a special place of rest that can be found within the kingdom of God. When you are in a kingdom, there is one sovereign ruler. And it's not you, it's not your money, it's not your job, or the power of your hand. Maybe you would feel that I'm being a bit hard. And what I'm saying about, <laughs> well, look, the scriptures make it clear. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. To exhort someone is to encourage and press them to do what is right. But you cannot do that unless you have come to a place of correctness in your own walk. I address you today in what I know is a fullness of surrender to the will of a God of all creation that I might walk under the same virtue as Christ Jesus, who bear the spirit that lives in us today, enabling us to know his ways and to walk in the fullness of his ways. But it's impossible if we are deceived by sin that lives in us. Many of us that profess him, even as those in the day of the rebellion, had an inkling of sin living within us that will keep us from truly surrendering our hearts and our will to him. Today, can you say that you're sure that you have not been hardened through the deceitfulness of sin in your walk with God? Through the administration of Donald Trump in the era of COVID, many 
that believe they love God have manifested ongoing spirits of anger, malice, variance, and worst of all, denial. I remember how upset I became when I heard him say on national TV, maybe they could drink bleach. While expressing the depth of my anger, I heard the voice of God say, John, leave Donald alone. My response was, but he told them to drink bleach. This is when the Lord said to me, you do not know Donald. You only know the dark work of his hands. And if there's any good work in his hand, you would never see it because you don't desire to. When your life was in a place where you chose to walk as one called an addict. I never judged you by the content of your hands. I only judged you by the content of your heart. And I knew that the works of your hands were not a reflection of what you desired in your heart. It is I and I alone that will judge the earth. And I have not done it as of yet. It is my desire that none should be lost. So would I not seek Donald's heart just as much as I have yours? So why do you feel it necessary to judge Donald when you don't know his heart? The question that I have for you, John, is why do you choose to exit the place of peace and serenity and joy that I share with you just to express your earthly and fleshly anxiety about him? When his actions have no effect on my kingdom. That hit me kind of hard. Because I couldn't deny anything that the Lord was telling me. I'm releasing myself to come out of his presence. Because in his presence is a fullness of joy. But when I walk away from him. I'm able to f express my frustrations with life. I'm not the only guilty one. They are those of us who profess the love of God and we involve ourselves in protesting in the midnight hour. But protests are held during the hours that the legislature are in their offices. So why are we out at 2 a.m.? It's all right that many of us supported Donald Trump because he, he was a value to our monetary disposition. But why have we chosen to deny the hateful and racist things that he has implemented through his words. The nation has never known a division such as it knows now because it came from a spirit manifested by him. The Bible says test every spirit to see whether it is of God. But yet many of us who say Lord, Lord have decided that he is a Messiah. <laughs> Plain and simple, the heart is wicked. And for its own preservation, it will support anything as long as it gets what it wants. What is it that your heart really wants today? Is it the will of God? Or what you believe you can acquire by having him serve you rather than you serving him? It is imperative that we search our heart. To understand where we are today. Psalms 119, through 119 and 2 says. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies. And that seek him with the whole heart. 
Sometimes we seek him, but we're seeking him behind a element of lust for something we have in our heart. And we're seeking him in reference to that. And that matters more to us. We've just made talking with him a secondary perspective on obtaining what we want. David said in Psalms 19 and 10, with my whole heart have I sought thee, O Lord. Let not me wander from thy commandments. You want to know the heart of God? Start with the Ten Commandments, nothing else. Put the whole Bible away and just start with the commandments. Five commandments about how to treat him. Five commandments about how to treat each other. If we fulfill that, just the commandments, we fulfill the fullness of God's word. Jesus even told us that same thing. Told us we are people who honor times and tradition, but the law of my father we will not keep because we have not given him our whole heart. Most of our heart belongs to the congregation, to the fellowship. But remember, there were congregations gathered for the purpose of standing against God. Psalms 119 and 145, David said, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. Except that it be your whole heart. You're accomplishing nothing. Jeremiah 24, 7, I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. This day, we got to recognize that we have been at a distance from God, serving him with a portion of our heart. But the time has come that we need to look deep within and ask, what are the corridors of my heart that have had an ability to be altered by the things in my life, the things in my world? And how can I evict all of the stuff in those, those rooms in my heart that are holding the past and my lust and my desires? How do I evict those things and allow the Lord to take full possession of the property so that the use of it will serve him and him alone. Ye shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. I'm going to read that again. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Many of us believe that we found the Lord and we have not found him. We've simply come to know of him. Just like that man down the street with that beautiful wife that everybody notices. You know of her, but you don't know her. Because there's no intimacy. We've got to find how to give him a whole heart. And the only way to do it is to be ready to sacrifice. We are sacrificed with Christ. We are crucified with Christ and yet we live. Not us, but Christ who lives within us. His cross would never ask for more than you can bear. But yet we're not willing to sacrifice anything. We'll sacrifice Sunday which is nothing but a pagan day. It's the venereal day of the sun. 
but we will not follow the commandments. You are people who honor times and traditions, but you will not honor the law of my father. My brethren, Proverbs 8.17, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Where is your mind when you recognize with the rising of the sun that you are still in the land of the living and have not transitioned to the presence of God? What is the first thought in your head? Because a man that has been wanting a woman for a period of time and he finally got her, the only thing on his mind when he popped and those eyes pop open is, is she still in the bed with me? Because he gave all of his heart to the concept of being with her. Where is your mind when you wake up in the morning? When you have full power and authority over your life, your finances are in position, your home life is in position, your job is in position, the desires of your carnal heart are in position. What is the first thing that comes through your mind? Is it thankfulness for the God of all creation? Is it a love for the one that has let himself be known to you in fullness that you may no longer know of him, but to know him truly and to know his ways with Israel? He said, there are people who have never known my ways and they've always erred in their heart. We want to know his ways so that they become a part of what pleases us. So that when we lift our head in the morning, regardless of the situation that we're dealing with in the earth, the first thing we think about is him. My brethren, if the heart is not fully surrendered to the ways of God, then it is vulnerable to the manipulation of the intellect. The heart has always been designed to be manipulated by the intellect. The only way to change that is to turn the fullness of that heart over to the ways of God. A heart fully surrendered to the will of God will bring the intellect into subjection. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6 For though we walk in flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your own obedience is fulfilled. Our goal is to fulfill our own obedience that our walk, even our walk is a revenge against disobedience because when people are walking out of the obedience of God and they come around you and you're in that fullness of obedience, the spirit of light in you reveals to them their faults. You don't have to open your mouth and judge anybody and point a finger. All you have to do is do what is right by God so that the finger's pointed at you. Either in exalting him or casting you down. For who are you to be better than Christ? If you walk in the fullness of God, you'll be judged for it. 
but for those who love him, they will take great pride in the encouragement that you offer them. I pray that the God of all creation will bestow upon you a greater wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and vision of what is true in today's world, that you might be evidence of the changes that must be seen in the midst of his own people. This is Apostle John Morton, and I want to thank you again for joining us on this segment of the Apostles' Corner Podcast. We would like to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Apostles' Corner Podcast. We would also like to invite you to visit us on the web at www.theapostlescorner.com. Here you'll be able to listen to additional podcasts, read messages on our blog, and review the services provided by our ministry. And don't forget to register to receive notifications of the new posts on the blog and podcast. May every action of your day be filled with the evidence of His grace and mercy in your life.